0: G'day and welcome to Occupied, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. If you like this podcast and you're looking for other OT podcasts, the spot to do that is otpodcasts.com. We've collated a bit of a list of all the OT podcasts. Feel free to pop along. We've got podcasts talking about all different topics from general to school-based to geriatrics to you name it. There's probably something in there for your ears. This episode Lucky you, it's just me. I have been thinking about for a while about meaning and how that concept itself has developed throughout my career or how my view of that concept has developed throughout my career. And I wanted to just have a bit of a brainstorm and have a bit of a a chat about the concept of meaning as it relates to occupational engagement. So I wanted to have a chat and... I guess try and work through some things in my head around the concept of meaning. Because I think, uh, like quite a few others that I've spoken about on the podcast, it's one of those concepts that OTs have heard about, you know, really, really regularly. We may even throw that term around. Uh, alternatively, I do think we kind of have a rough idea of what it means but I don't know if we've really put a whole lot of thought into its application uh, and the impact it can have on our clinical practice. So I wanted to have a look at, well, I guess, throughout my career, how my evolution of that meaning kind of came about, or evolution of meaning, I should say. And I think, like a lot of people when I first graduated, don't remember actually looking at it at all, really. Everything was about function and, this is many moons ago, uh, everything was about function and independence and ADLs and cognitive assessments, all for the purpose of letting or supporting a person to live independently in their own home, which... Again, different time, different health service, different goals, different profession, really. When I started to discover occupational science uh, and explore that in a lot more depth uh, was probably around the same time that I met Matthew Molyneux and some of his work, and in particular, probably one of the biggest things from any academic that's ever stuck with me for this long, was Matthew's Nature of Occupation, which essentially broke down occupation into, it wasn't defining it, but it was, an occupation has these components. It was kinda almost like a checklist, like, to be an occupation, it needs to tick these boxes. And that was the first time I think I'd really taken stock of the fact that for something to be an occupation at all, it needs to have meaning but on top of that it also needs to be the person's meaning and it shouldn't be the therapist who just assumes like we can we could do that all day this person needs a job why because you know what are they going to do with their day it gives them it'll give them meaning it'll give them a purpose it'll you know allow them to participate in all these other things but that's us assigning or using our value system to assign a meaning that we you know, we may be right, but that's that's not the point, because there's probably a 50% chance that we're not even close. We need to, well, this is what I discovered at this time, is that we need to really, I, I think what I really worked out at that point in time is how or to what level we treat people as an individual. And it was a lot deeper than I'd previously Ever considered, I think up until that point, my uh concept of treating someone as an individual or client based practice would have been uh, you know which of these two interventions do you want to do, both obviously selected by me so it was it was very eye opening and it was a, a massive uh, transition stage in my career. Working with that, I started having a look at the everyday things that I do, uh, even how I talk to clients or people that I work with, and the information that I actually want to find from them in order to help them. Uh, And that transformed very much into uh, individualistic, strength-based discussions. So it was much more around, like, what makes you happy? What do you want to do? Not, these are the five things that I can provide you with, you can choose which one. One of the side effects of uh, going through that stage, for me personally, was I found that the perceived limitations of the service weren't really as limiting as I'd previously suspected and I found that I could be much more creative in finding ways to support people to do the things that they genuinely wanted to do as opposed to, like I said before, just offering a selection of the different things that I thought we were resourced or able to provide. At that stage, I, I still had in my head that there were obviously some things that we can't support people to or that we should try and defer people from even considering or didn't want to look at. Things like drugs, poor relationships, uh, all of those, what I'm about to say, all of those occupations that might be looked at under the dark side of occupation. I was still under this ruse that for whatever reason and it may, I, I can't even conceptualize how now knowing what i know now but that those things weren't occupations and therefore like they're not anything i can you know i can't do that or that me working with a person on those things is somehow condoning the behavior or going to harm them what i learned next probably was more around the dark side of occupation and that was when that would have been in about 2012, I think, when I first met Bex, Rebecca Twinley and learning about her theory or about the dark side of occupation. Uh, we've we've done an episode with her. If you're not sure about it, definitely go and check that out. It's it's a lot of people's favorite episode, including definitely one of my favorites as well. But I think what she highlighted, just without going into too much detail on the theory itself, was that. For too long, a lot of occupations were kind of ignored or uh, just sort of pushed to the side because they fit into that sort of antisocial or you know health-negative uh, categorization. When in reality, they fit, say going back to Matthew Molyneux's nature of occupation, they fit that concept perfectly. They had a purpose. It had meaning to that person. Uh, You know, it was contextually sound, it was a human occupation, so it fit the definition or it fit the construct of an occupation, but purely because it wasn't uh socially acceptable as a healthy occupation or it was seen in a negative light by societal values, OTs would often ignore it or straight up just, no, you can't do that, you have to change. That's bad. We all of a sudden had this, or before that, I feel for myself anyway, I had this sort of idea in my head of good occupations, bad occupations. Once again, that was me, uh, I guess, throwing a blanket over everyone that I worked with of my own values to discern what was a good one and what was a bad one. Learning about the dark side opened my eyes to meaning. And it really opened my eyes to how I, I guess intrinsically, as a personal reflection on what I actually saw as or what I was identifying as good and bad occupations, and why I was doing that, and the fact that I shouldn't. I need to look at all occupations the same way, whether my morals or my value system agrees with them or not. It was a, a really, again, a powerful period for growth for myself to be able to view up another person's situation, but step back from my own lens and see if I could have a conversation with them to make an understanding of, or get an, gain an understanding of how they viewed that particular occupation. So that was probably the first time where I actually looked at meaning really in-depth from the individual's perspective and not just me trying to hypothesize what it might be or treating it somewhat tokenistically uh, in my assessments and evaluations. I think that I was teaching something the other day about the mind and differentiating it for uh, my students from you know physical brain structure and that kind of thing. And one of the concepts that I really like is from a book called Mindsight by Dr. Dan Siegel, who's a psychologist, I believe. But one of the concepts he frames in this book, which is all about, you know, being able to, I guess, understand the mind better and its purpose and its role in being a human. But one of the concepts he has is me-maps and you-maps and to be fully functional and it fits well with a lot of other concepts fits well with things like emotional intelligence and that kind of thing but developing a me map is essentially a a self-reflective it's an insight uh, of my own mind and how i process information how my mind processes information how it deals with information how it handles information etc so that's looking at insight but there's also these UMAPs which is about the development of empathy where I kind of do the same process but for another person so the purpose of a UMAP is for me to be able to build a picture of how another person or how their mind sorry processes information reacts to information copes with information etc And I think that fit really well with that stage of my development in that I was all of a sudden trying to take my me map out of it and develop a you map of a person's meaning that they were assigning to different occupations that we were currently working with them on and that was a really powerful but quite a confusing uh, growth period for myself because it's I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Meaning is a really complex concept, and I don't think at this stage any psychologist, OTs, anyone fully has a like an ideal, perfect grasp on how it works, etc. But we're doing the best with what we got, and we're constantly getting research in that reshifts our schemas around meaning. Um, and we're we're constantly fine tuning and getting better and improving, and we just it's a matter of continuing to do so. So from there, probably into the more present times, it became aware to me that that what I just said, my little sidetrack became more aware is that we really don't have a great understanding of meaning and what it actually is, uh, within sort of a psychological realm, uh, and how that impacts uh, occupation and engagement on a really deep realm we have a, a superficial at the time we had a superficial understanding of you know well if it's meaningful to someone then they're going to be more motivated to do it so we could kind of i guess make a link between meaning and motivation that's great yep okay cool but why why is there a link how, what does the link look like how does the link change is it culturally you know significant to other cultures other than a western culture all of these questions so to me i all of a sudden this is i started developing a a rather critical mind in that i was questioning everything and not taking anything for gospel, which is a good thing. I think that's where a lot of o t s fall down. I think we need to do that a lot more, but it's led me on this kind of journey to try and explore meaning a bit more and have a look at the research and see what's out there and constantly try and develop my understanding of meaning and how it develops and how it impacts a human it's kind of it's one of the reasons why i've I do kind of lean away from or I lean sorry, I lean towards more of an engagement-based therapy in that the occupation is still center and it's still focused, but the engagement, how that person engages and why they engage is the, the main center point of what I do with people and how I work with people. To me, that misses, or by doing that, I think it misses a lot of the, I guess, conceptual arguments that a lot of OTs tend to get in about you know, occupation and function and all of that kind of stuff, because it's 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 about as pure a form of client based practice as you can do, because you're really looking at the person and what they do. I can't put any assumptions into that. There's no assumptions to be made. There's not a lot of models or anything on it, so it's it's a different way of looking at a similar situation. But I think it's for me anyway, and the people I used to work with. Uh, it was a more effective way to operate and to, to gain an understanding of them. But I was reading some other stuff recently. Uh, and one of the things that I, I found was a, a paper by some lovely UKOTs, who I know some of you are familiar with, Karen Morris and Diane Cox. And they put out a paper recently called Developing a Descriptive Framework for occupation engagement. Now, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because one of the main things that I really loved about this paper was they they essentially came up with a bit of a model looking at engagement as opposed to, you know, anything else specifically looking at engagement, but one of the main things it looks at is it kind of looks at I guess meaning as a, as a spectrum. It looks at the value that the occupation has for a person, a personal significance from a, a positive through a neutral to a negative spectrum, and how having this personal significance or meaning at different levels would affect someone's engagement. So and it goes through different rudimentary uh, descriptions of the framework that they were putting together. And I, I actually quite like the middle one because it's, it's where they've sort of really broken it down into well, what can this look like. And, you know, so on the positive end, it's looking at where they're engaged and they're either completely absorbed in it or they're interested in it. And from a neutral point of view, yeah, they're participating. And then from a negative point of view, they're you know, a bit indifferent, they're disengaged or they're actually repulsed by whatever activity it is and i think that really helps to highlight for me looking at it and i'll throw the reference up in the show notes of this one but looking at it that really helps to helps me to i guess conceptualize this uh this spectrum of meaning of significance to the person and looking at the final model the, the framework of, for occupational engagement, what they've got is you're going to look at it. I th- I'm assuming this is how my interpretation of it. You can look at it across two planes in that if you're looking at it on the vertical plane, you've got participation and non-participation. And obviously if someone's not participating in an occupation, this I'm assuming this is by choice, not by circumstance, not by context. But if someone's choosing to not participate in an occupation, or oh, it's not an occupation, not participate in an activity, Uh, then it holds very little to no meaning to them. Looking at participation, as the value increases of that occupation, we go through the stages, as mentioned before, we go through interest, we go through real engagement, we go through absorption, like we're just completely absorbed in it. And I think one of the things briefly mentioned in the previous rudimental framework description was the concept of flow. And I I really think that fits well with that absorption because I know when I'm doing something, And I am just completely absorbed in it. That's it. Like, I, I hit that flow point and almost like the world disappears. There's nothing else except what I'm doing. I, from an emotional point of view, hit this almost calm when I hit that flow point. There's no anger, drive, stress, any of that stuff. When I hit that level of value in what I'm doing and I hit that flow point, the world could be burning down around me and I wouldn't know because I am just completely, as it says in the model, absorbed in that whatever task that is, whatever occupation that is. On the opposite end of the spectrum, as you go down through, uh, as the value decreases down the negative end of the spectrum, we go from indifference to disengagement to repulsion. So, there might be things there's going to be occupations that we might have to do that the value is repulsion. Think of something really like, I don't know, cleaning a block toilet. It's something that you probably have to do, but the meaning or the the value that you assigned to that particular occupation. Oh, it's not going to be good unless you're a plumber and you enjoy that kind of stuff, which I have met plumbers who enjoy that kind of stuff, which is so strange to me, but I guess I need this framework to help me understand it. There are going to be things that, yeah, we have to do, that the level of value that we assign to it, the level the what it means to us is going to be really low. All of this, the whole spectrum is situated in consequence. So no matter where we are in that spectrum, it's going to have consequence on how we engage uh, and how we perform, our occupational performance. So this particular sort of framework that these ladies have put together has kind of reignited my interest and my want to know more about the concept itself of meaning. I think everyone's aware, everyone who's trained recently or has worked recently and has stayed up to date, you know, it is very individualistic. I've never looked at it, I guess, on a spectrum like like this. So it was a very new thing for me. Uh, And I quite like it because I don't, I'm at a stage in my career where I really don't like looking at things in absolutes. I can view my overall career development as coming out of university and everything was an absolute to slowly breaking that down to the point where I'm at now where nothing is an absolute. There are no objective truths uh, and everything is a construct that we need to look at and analyze. So I I like the idea of the spectrum. Uh, I'll be really interesting to see if any of you have... Done any research or read any research around meaning, or even just have a different perspective on it? I'd love to hear someone from, say, another culture, non-Westernized culture, uh, and what their perspective is on the concept of meaning with regards to engagement. Uh, I think that would be absolutely fascinating. Uh, so that's all I wanted to have—just a brief uh, rundown, a brief, uh, a bit of a, a brainstorm for me i guess thank you guys so much for listening if you are still listening then a thousand awesome points to you for making it to the end of this uh little monologue slash rant of mine uh thank you again for supporting the podcast we're coming up to a a bit of a milestone and i'm so incredibly proud of it uh and it's all because of, of you guys so thank you very much get in touch and i will speak to you very soon